morning, everybody. So good to see you from this view today. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Um, and I'm so glad to be sharing the word with you today. Um, so a few years ago, I was babysitting some uh, kids that I regularly watched, and we played a lot of games together, as you might uh, imagine, babysitting kiddos. Um, and uh, one of their favorites was hide-and-seek. Um, and it was actually one of mine, too, because I, it was one of the few games that I felt like I could outsmart them a little bit. <laughs> um, they, were, they were pretty good at most of the games that we played, so, but this one I felt like I had a little bit of upper hand. Um, so, uh, so we were playing hide-and-seek one day, and um, the, the three girls that I was with, they, uh, they all hid, right, found everybody except one. Um, and so we're all searching for her, right? We're like, man, she really, she really got us this time. Uh, so close to an, almost an hour goes by, <laughs> and we're like, where is this child? Like, <laughs> what is going on, and how did she become such a mastermind at this game today? Um, but anyway, so we finally find her. She's, like, stuffed in the farthest corner of a closet, um, couldn't even fathom that like a human child could fit there, um, but she did. And um, so we find her, whatever, she pops her little head out and she's like, did I win? <laughs> We're like, yes, we think you won. Please don't do that again. <laughs> um, but so we had a lot of fun together, but uh, we all lose things at one time or another, right? Um, sometimes it's small things. Uh, hopefully it's not another human uh, child, but... Um, we all lose things, right? If you're like me, lose your keys, your wallet, your phone, whatever, we leave it somewhere, right? Um, but we also lose important things too, right? Um, we lose uh, many different types of things in our lives. You can fill in the blanks, but um, I think at points in our lives, we can often tend to feel lost ourselves, right? Lost sense of belonging, lost sense of, uh, you know, um, purpose or whatever whatever the case is, right? Um, it can be for many reasons, but for whatever they are, they leave us desperate to find something that gives us an assurance that somehow we're not lost. We haven't completely lost ourselves, um, that there is purpose in where we are and what we're doing, right? So today, uh, like Josh said, we're starting, or we're not starting, this is our second week of parables, um, and this week, I'm very excited, I love this parable, um, we are talking about uh, the parable that is often referred to as the prodigal son, and it's actually, uh, if you read in Luke, it's actually um, part of a series of three parables um, that are all about lost things that Jesus was kind of, um, you know, um, sharing with his audience and kind of furthering his point by each of these stories, right? Um, so, but this parable, um, as we'll see in a moment, we talked about how it's typically referred to as the prodigal son, but in the text it actually says that a man had two sons, right? And so we're going to see this morning that actually both of those sons were lost, um, and we would really miss the full intent of this parable that Jesus told if we didn't, if we only focused on the younger brother's story and not the elder brother's story. Um, because as we're going to see both stories, Jesus had a message for um, for the people that he was talking to and the people and us today um, through both of them. So, what do we mean by all of this? <laughs> um, the term prodigal. 
uh, we can tend to think of it as meaning like wayward, you know, uh, whatever sense we're using it in. Basically, we're talking about somebody has kind of lost their way or they've um, gone off and done their own thing, right? Um, but prodigal actually means recklessly spendthrift, lavish, spending everything until you have nothing left. Um, so this definitely does describe the younger son in this story, um, but it also really accurately describes the father in this story as well. And we'll see more about that um, very soon. But something that we have to understand about this parable in particular um, is that Jesus is really speaking to an audience of two different types of people. The first is the tax collectors and the sinners. Um, And why are those in the same sentence? Uh, tax collectors and sinners, um, because tax collectors were kind of lumped in um, in their culture with people who are seen as regular sinners, people who kind of just did off, uh, went off and did their own thing, you know, wild living, um, making bad choices, as we would say, um, you know. So the tax collectors are lumped in with them because they didn't have very good. Um, they didn't have very good reputations. They cheated people on their taxes. Um, they were considered basically the same um, as, as those sinners. So, um, and then the second group of people that Jesus was talking to was uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And they're the very opposite of, um, or seemingly the opposite of uh, the sinners and the tax collectors, right? They were the ones who knew the Bible. They were the ones who were uh, moral. They were the ones who, um, they were the ones who were keeping the rules, Right. So he's talking to very different types of people, um, but uh, as he goes through this parable, you'll see how their hearts are very similar. Um, so the response from these two groups is, to Jesus is very, very, very different, um, and we'll see that played out in this parable today, but the f- people of the first group, the sinners and the tax collectors, were always so attracted to Jesus. We can see that all over scripture as he's uh, gathering people to uh, just teach them, um, whether he's sitting down to dinner. There were always um, people who were you know, notorious sinners um, surrounding him um, because they were so attracted to who he was and to his ministry, um, which is a really amazing thing in and of itself, but then people of the second group, right, the Pharisees, they um, they felt the opposite. They were not attracted to Jesus at all because they didn't understand how Jesus could call himself, you know, the son of God, could call himself um, a teacher of, uh, of of Jewish law and, and, what, and traditions and whatever, and act the way that he did as sitting with sinners, having food with them, doing life with them. They didn't understand that. And so they figured he must be a complete hypocrite. Um, he must be a liar, right? So these are the responses that Jesus gets from these people. And these are the people that he's talking to in this parable that we're looking at today. Um, so our first point this morning, we become lost through wrong things. Um, And that's going to lead us to our text in Luke 15, starting in verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, remember this is his third story, so he's illustrating his point. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. So whenever we become lost 
uh, in the wrong things or, or through the wrong things, there's always a road that brought us there, right? Whenever we uh, come to a certain point in our lives, there's always something that brought us there. Um, and this is true of, uh, of the wrong things as well. So, so how did this start for the younger brother? He asked for his inheritance now, um, which first of all would have been a really uh, big sign of disrespect to his father because essentially, you know, normally he would receive his inheritance when his father passed away, right? Um, but he's asking for it now because he's essentially telling his father, like, you are worth more dead to me than alive. Um, and so you really kind of get a, you, you get to just see the, the motivation of the younger brother's heart of just saying, dad, I actually really would prefer your things. I would actually prefer your resources and the wealth that you have than relationship with you. I want to go off and do my own thing with it. Um, so, and the father does it for him. He does it for him because he loves his son so much. Um, but again, why does he want his inheritance right now? Maybe he was impatient with his life, you know? Um, as we look at his story and we look at uh, later his his elder brother's kind of point of view of things, you can kind of get this picture that maybe the younger son felt like he was being withheld from, you know, like he wasn't able to experience life in the way that he wanted to. He didn't maybe have the... Um, he wasn't given the, you know, whatever resources to experience life the way that he wanted to on his own terms, right? Um, and so maybe he felt like I need to get away from my home environment because they're not letting me be who I want to be, <laughs> you know? Um, and so so we start to kind of like piece this picture of like who this younger brother was and why he came to this place with his father. Um, and there's a poem by Ryard Kipling uh, entitled The Prodigal Son, and it kind of illustrates his point of view like this. My father glooms and advises me. My brother sulks and despises me. My mother catechizes me till I want to go out and swear. So basically, the younger son, one thing is really clear about what he's doing and why he's doing it. He's sick of being home. He doesn't want to be, you know, for whatever the case is, he doesn't want to be under his father's shadow or whatever the deal is. He's ready to go. He wants to leave. So he thought life without boundaries would be freedom. Um, he's not very unlike us sometimes, right? Um, he misinterpreted the boundaries in his life that were set um, as, you know, maybe keeping him from something instead of allowing him to actually enjoy his position, his relationship with the father. Um, there's a uh, quote by Melissa Helzer about boundaries that I love so much. And it says, healthy boundaries create permission to go places that we could never go. They release us to enjoy moments that would have otherwise been impossible. And I think he thought that what he was looking for was outside of those boundaries of his home and his father and um, and his brother and, and all of that. You know, he felt like what he needed and where he needed to be was out there. Um, and I think that um, I think that sometimes we feel like that too, you know, that we what we need to uh, you know to be fulfilled or to um, fill what's in our hearts is somewhere out there, you know. If I can just go find what I need out there, uh, a greater opportunity, uh, another relationship, but you know, whatever the case is, um, I think sometimes we feel like what we need is out there somewhere 
but it's actually closer than, than we really even know. And this is the case for the younger brother too. Um, so back to, back to his story. So then comes the famine. He goes, he spends all his money, and then there's a famine. Very interesting timing. <laughs> I think Jesus knew what he was doing there. Um, but he says he finds himself, oh, sorry, verse 14. Here we go. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he makes a plan. He said, I know that there are people at home that are eating so much better than I am uh, here with these pigs, and so I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to apologize, right? Um, and he asks his, and he's going to ask his father to set him up basically as like a tradesman, um, which is, you know, basically just a way that he can repay his debt to his family because he felt like if I'm going home, I need to be able to repay my father for what I've taken from him, essentially, right? So he feels like this is a reasonable request, and so he rehearses his speech, right? And he goes home to his father. Picking it back up in verse 20, it says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the, the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has returned, now returned to life. He was lost, and now he is found. So the party began. So a few, a few interesting things about these verses um, is that, you know, when we look at these verses as just um, seeing like, oh, the father was just so excited. He ran and he met his son and kissed him and he's loving on him, right? And that doesn't seem unnatural or strange to us maybe. Um, but actually in their culture, it would have been a strange sight because the father was not usually someone who would be seen you know, running to meet anybody um, because he was the master of the house, first of all, um, but also he, you know, he would have these like huge robes, heavy robes, right? And he'd have to actually pull them up to run anywhere. Um, and so he would essentially look foolish if he's doing that, right? And so for his position, this just would have been, not would have been something that you would have seen. So by the father doing this, he's making a statement uh, maybe without even thinking it because he's just so focused on his son, right? But he's making a statement that he just doesn't care if he looks foolish. He doesn't care what cultural norms he's breaking because he just wants to share in the excitement and the celebration that his son is finally home. The one who he thought was dead is alive, right? Um, and the second thing um, that's interesting about these verses that he tells the servants to give him the best robe in the house, um, which would have been the father's own robe, and then to give him a ring and sandals for his feet. All of these things are saying that immediately he's restoring his son back into the family. And the cool thing about this is that um, he doesn't even he doesn't even wait for his son to barely get a word out of his mouth before he does this 
just immediately, you know? And so like just showing us the character of this father's heart is that he just, he's not going to wait for him to earn his way back into the family because he just doesn't care. He just loves his son. and He's so excited that he's home. You know, there's no earning the love of the father. Um, and he doesn't stop there, right? He says, let's kill the fattened calf. Let's have steak. I like this guy. He knows how to party. Um, and that was, a huge, that was a huge extravagance for them. They wouldn't really even, you know, in their culture, in their time, they wouldn't really have meat for even really that many celebrations except like super, super big ones that they invite the whole house, the whole village. You know, this is the kind of party and celebration that the father is, is, um, is throwing for his son. And so, um, so this just really just gives us a picture. And I think the picture that Jesus wanted um, each person to have of who the father is and how fiercely he loves people. Um, but we could just end the story right there, right? Jesus could have ended the story right there, but it's not where it stops. It keeps going, right? So now the elder brother comes in, which brings us to our second point this morning, which is we become lost through right things. So we can become lost through wrong things, and we can become lost through right things as well. So in verse 25, we pick up the elder brother's story. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. So the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So whenever we become lost because of the right things we done, uh, we've done, um, we really become convinced that we are in the right. Um, and I think that uh, the motivations of the elder brother here, not unlike the younger brother, were not for relationship with his father. He's also very concerned about what he, um, what he has and what he gets from the father. He's very concerned about uh, the cost of everything, right? He's concerned because the father is just so extravagantly spending on this son that um, has completely, like, spent his inheritance that was given to him, right? Um, and now... The father has welcomed him back into the family, which means that, again, this son is going to receive an inheritance, which means that the elder son's inheritance is going to be divided once again. So he receives less because the father decided to bring the younger son back into the family. Um, and so he's basically, you can hear the tone and the disrespect in his voice as he's talking to the father um, and just saying, this son of yours, he won't even call him his own brother because he's so angry um, and he's upset about the way that his father is treating him. And maybe he even thought his father was rather like his younger brother in being so reckless with what he did. Um, 
but we know that the Father had purpose in everything that he did. Um, and unfortunately, we see the those revealed motivations in both brothers, right? Um, the older brother is so convinced of his goodness and how faithful he's been to the Father. He makes his whole list of like, you know, I've done everything you've ever asked me to. <laughs> um, I've been completely faithful to you. I've worked so hard, you know, for everything that we have. And now you're just throwing it all away, essentially, is how he feels, right? Um, but the sad thing about it is that after he gets done with this whole speech, the father talks to him so tenderly. After he's been so disrespectful, um, he talks to his son so tenderly, and he says, look, dear son, everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate today because your, fa- your brother is home and we thought he was dead, and now he's alive. And, um, and he asks, he's essentially giving the elder brother a plea to say, you know, come and celebrate with us. Don't stay out here. Don't stay angry. You know, come and be with us. Come and have fellowship with us. Come and enjoy with us, you know. <coughs> a lot of talking today. I need a little water. So so this is where we find the elder brother here. Um, And the story is just kind of left like that. Jesus doesn't give us any more to the story to say, you know, the elder brother apologized and he came into the party. (laughs) You know, he didn't. He just leaves it right there with the father's plea. Um, And he did that very much on purpose because Jesus was directing, remember, this story towards um, those who identified as the younger brother who were you know, uh, in their wild living and, and what they uh, would have been called considered sin and the people who were living right, you know, the Pharisees. And so anyways, so the Pharisees were, they felt like they were the ones who were right, you know, that they deserved to be respected and to be able to judge others um, unfairly. Um, and so and so this, but not realizing the whole time that really they were just as lost and just as sinful Um, as anyone else. And the whole reason that the elder brother and what Jesus is trying to direct this as, um, the whole reason that the elder brother didn't go into the party um, wasn't, and and kind of lost out even on his father's fellowship and uh, love and relationship, uh, wasn't in spite of all the good things that he'd done, right? But it was actually because of those good things that he lost out. Um, because that was his that was his whole his whole reasoning when the father asked him he says i've done dot 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 right i've done all these things so no i'm not going to enjoy time with you and our family um and the younger and the elder brother kind of the their, their approaches can be looked at as two ways of finding happiness and um fulfillment right both of them kind of went in different directions but they were seeking the same thing the first with the elder brother um, as moral conformity, which basically is um, means I will do what tradition and community wants me to do, right, and, and find fulfillment that way. The second way is self-discovery, which is the younger brother. says I will do whatever I um, want to do and find happiness through my own way. <clears throat> 
But Jesus' point in this parable is that both ways are wrong. Nobody's right. (laughs) Um, Whether you've come to a place of sin because of the wrong things that you've done or the right things that you've done, both are looked at as sin when your heart is detached from the Father. So um, so that was a huge, um, that was huge for the people of that day. Jesus was completely redefining what they thought of being uh, religious and of being a sinner, right? Um, <clears throat> Tim Keller has this wonderful quote from his book, The Prodigal God, which is a great resource on this parable if you're interested in, in knowing and learning more about it. He does a beautiful job of laying it out, but the quote says, if, like the elder brother, you believe that God ought to bless you and help you because you have worked so hard to obey him and be a good person, then Jesus may be your helper, your example, and even your inspiration, but he is not your savior. You are serving as your own savior. <clears throat> so the truth is, is that if, you know, if the motivations, if your motivations in being in relationship with the Lord um, and serving him are, like Keller is saying here, um, to basically be your own savior, to be your own, you know, to get what you want and what you need um, out of it, then we end up serving God out of obligation, um, and we end up, without even knowing it, um, our hearts become far from who he is and from relationship with him. Um, And the sad thing is, is that, like, when that does happen, um, when we come to that place, at some point when things get hard, or things don't work out the way that we hoped, or God doesn't do what we think that he should do, and he doesn't move the way that we think that he should move in our lives, um, we resent him. And we can resent the life that we have with him um, because we're in it for not, uh, you know, not for him necessarily, but for what he can do for us, like these brothers. Um, so that brings us to our third point this morning, which is we only are found through the love of the Father. We could probably end everything right there. Um, but the Father in this story, Jesus really likens to his own Father, our Father God, right? And um, in both sides of the story, the beautiful thing is that the Father comes to each of the brothers right where they are. He meets them where they are, and he comes to them, and he shows them his love, no matter where they came from. Um, he just wants uh, to love them. And, um, and I think, like, the response of the Father to each brother really shows us um, who, who our Father is, who Jesus wanted to reveal as the Father, um, that he is full of faith, right? This Father was continually looking for his Son. And something I thought was interesting, too, is that even in the verses, he says, you know, your, your brother was dead. We thought he was dead, and now he's alive. So even though he might have thought that his son was dead, he's waiting for his son to return. He's waiting with hope, and he's waiting with faith. Um, And I believe that the Father is like that with us. He never gives up hope waiting for us to return to him or to come to him. Um, And he's also, like we talked about this term earlier, prodigal. He's extravagant with love. There's nothing that he won't do. There's no expense that he won't spare to show the people that he loves how much he loves them, right? Um, And he also celebrates those that he loves. He says, I'm going to give you 
my robe, my ring, my sandals, everything to show you that you're a part of my family. And I've never, I've never disowned you. Um, and he throws him a party. And the father is also humble. He essentially, you know, um, he lost both of his sons in one way or the other, but he still kept his heart open, and he still asked them to, to be part of his life and his family, and thankfully one of them did, um, and, um, and the second one was kind of uh, left there in this, in this story, but um, the purpose was that, you know, the father kept his heart um, open to say, I love you no matter what, no matter where you came from, no matter why you... Um, why you're here or what's happened. I love you. And so he was humble. And I just love the, the, just the picture that Jesus paints of the father in this, um, in this parable, because that's who he really is. Um, I'm going to call it Pastor David to, uh, for our closing song tonight, but, or tonight, this morning, it's been a long morning. (laughs) Um, But the truth is, I think is that, you know, our greatest need is to be loved by the Father. Um, and there's nothing else that can fill that except for him. We try in so many ways. People try in so many ways. The elder and the younger brother, they tried it from different places to fill that place. But really what they needed the whole time was the Father's love. Um, <clears throat> and so we're the same. We need a Savior. We need Jesus to come and show us and save us from the wrong things that we do and the right things that we do. There's really no difference in between them um, because it's really about our hearts. Um, And I think that's one of the greatest things that Jesus wanted people to hear through this was that it doesn't matter which side of the world or approach that you come from. It doesn't matter because the Father loves you. (laughs) And he doesn't care about anything else. He just loves you. Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And I think that I used to think that the lost meant, you know, the people who are, that we, you know, that I might think of as typically lost, the people who are just doing whatever they want, not living, you know, the way that um, maybe God would want us to and things like that. But really, when we look at this parable, it totally recaptures that and, and, and flips it on its head and says, no, no. The people who are lost are not just people who are living away from God. It's the people who are living near God, but actually their hearts are far from him. And so the lost are all of us. It's all of us. So we don't have room to judge anybody. We don't have room to, to point out, you know, who is doing what and, and when, because we all need a savior. We all need Jesus. Um. And that's the message of the gospel. That's all it is, is that Jesus came to us to find us in our lostness because he wasn't, he wasn't willing to leave us that way. And so today, maybe, <clears throat> maybe you identify in, in different places. Maybe you identify with uh, the younger brother. Um, maybe there's, uh, there's decisions that you've made that have led you to places that have just left you feeling empty. Um, maybe there's things that you've sought and just felt like I need more of this or I've, you know, um, I need to go out there and find, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Um, but I just, I just haven't. I can't find it. I don't, I still feel lost. Um, and by the way, you don't have to be 
uh, away from Jesus or away from faith to identify with this brother because I think even those of us who have been around church for a really long time, um, it may not, it doesn't necessarily, just because you're near the church doesn't always necessarily mean that you feel like it's real or that you've experienced things that um, would remind you that Jesus' love for you is real. So maybe you're there, maybe you're questioning and maybe you're like, I just don't know is this personal? Is this real? Does Jesus really care? Does he really see me? Does he really love me? And this morning, I just want you to know that he does, <laughs> that he sees you. He sees you for where you are, and he sees where you were, and he sees where you're going, and he loves you so much. He loves you just the same. And he wants you to know that it's going to be real for your heart the more that you come closer to him. Um, maybe you connect with the older brother this morning. Um, maybe you feel like, you know, man, I've been the one that's followed everything. I've, I've followed all the rules, um, of church and of God. And I've, I've always, I've always been there. Every time the door is open, I'm there. Um, and I feel like I've done all the right things and I've served God so well. Um, but maybe you realize this morning that the reasons that you're doing it may not have always been because because you know that you're loved by God and that he loves you. Maybe you realize this morning that um, even in, in, in different places that, you know what, I, I feel like I was doing those things because I wanted God to do this for me or I thought he should do this for me. Um, and sometimes it's even more subtle than that. Maybe you just recognize that, wow, I've been pushing myself so hard all of this time to, uh, to work essentially forgot. <laughs> um, but my heart has been tired and um, I've disconnected with the father who brought me here and the love that brought me here. Um, so this morning, wherever, wherever you identify today, and I'm talking to me too, um, and I think at different places in our lives, we identify with, with both. Um, so whatever the Holy Spirit is just speaking to your heart this morning, as we pray, just let him speak to you and, and, and take this with you um, and let him speak, to, speak this to you over time. Jesus, we just thank you for who you are today. We just thank you first, God, that you came to, to seek and to save us, God, because we are the lost. No matter where we come from, Father, um, we are the lost. <laughs> and God, we just thank you today that that's what you came to do was to save us. God, you came to, to release us and to bring us freedom, God, from the things that so easily trip us up. God, we just thank you that in you is all freedom, Lord. You free our hearts, you free our minds, you free our bodies, oh God. We just thank you that you are the one that we've always been seeking our whole lives, Lord. You are the love that we've always needed. And so this morning, Lord, wherever we, wherever we are, God, we just thank you that you are able to draw us close to yourself and to love on us so well, God. You love us into being found. And we just thank you for that right now, God, for every heart, for every heart that you came to save and that you love so dearly. So we just thank you, God, that you take the time to find us, to love us, and to bring us close to you, God. And we praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name. 
Amen.